0: I'm Sarah Wilson, and this is Wild, a show where we talk with the biggest minds in the world about the ideas that can help us love and save our one wild and precious life together on this planet. Hi, Wild friends. Welcome back to this, this Friday podcast episode. It's a new shorter episode format that I do on a Friday where you get to ask me whatever you like and I have a free form stab at answering it. It's not an edited rant so you'll get all of my stumbles, my lisping, you get the background of wherever I am in the world. At the moment I'm at a friend's house who's yet to to furnish their apartment so it's very, very wide. Now if you have any kind of question uh, for me, Please do send it through. Now it doesn't have to be about me, it might be about something relating to what I've written about or a previous wild podcast episode. Send your question through to Substack, um, Sarah and it's there that you can actually watch this conversation as a video and join the conversation afterwards. Um, so look, today, and I'm just going to adjust a little bit of light here. I've actually got myself a little bit professional and bought a light so you can probably see the glow on my glasses um today uh megan has actually sent through a question it was sent a little bit before uh, before christmas so apologies for the delay on this the question today is do you regret not having children not having having kids my short answer is no and uh, i suppose you'll probably after a longer answer There are a few things going on here. Mostly, I try not to regret all that much in my life. And I'm afforded this luxury, I guess, this aptitude, precisely because I agonize over all of my decisions. So by the time I make a decision, I have made a lot of peace with whatever decision I have made because I've done the wrestle. I've gone backwards and forwards on it. And this is one of the benefits of being someone who thinks a lot and has anxiety and takes life very, very seriously. So I've been thinking about this, um, this question that you asked Megan. I have a close friend and she's going through a terrible breakup with her husband at the moment. It seems to be something that often happens at this time of year. To be honest, she's actually been going through this process for three years. She's been agonizing over the relationship, trying to save it, trying to coax her husband to, to grow to a level closer to where she's grown to over the last couple of years. And she's been trying to nudge the dynamic away from, I suppose, narcissistic responses, gaslighting, um, and, and the general pushing away, the deflecting that can go on in these kinds of scenarios. So she's given it her best shot. I've witnessed the whole process and um, and I think she feels quite satisfied. She has looked at it from every single angle. And so just recently, she finally drew that line in the sand. And I've been watching the whole process with her where she's she's had to accept that she has thought it through fully. Now, anyone who has gone through something like this would probably know this feeling A calm comes about. And you can sometimes think that, oh, gosh, I'm uncaring, I'm cold. Why am I more worked up about this? Well, the point is... She's done the hard work. She's done the kind of emotional engagement with it all. She's looked at it from every single possible emotional angle as well. Now, of course, her husband hasn't done this. He's been avoiding it. He's not wanted to face it. And so it's all a big shock to him. Um, And so one of the things that she's having to grapple with is the fact that he's not at the same level and the fact that she also feels incredible amounts of guilt about feeling this level of calm and peace and as I said to her yesterday you'll have to get okay with feeling for feeling guilty and maybe not feeling regretful or doubting yourself Um, and you know you'll have to probably endure the fact that he will accuse you of not um, caring perhaps being a bit cold um, and other such gaslighting I share this story because I think uh, it'd be familiar to to many of you you listening. If you've gone through a breakup before, it's generally somebody who has done the work and um, is more prepared for, for, I guess, the next steps in a breakup. But it also is similar to where I'm at with my position on not having had kids. I wrestled with the decision. I agonized, I toed and froed. So by the time I arrived at where I am now, at the point where biologically it's not really on the table any longer, I'm calm and I don't have regrets. I'm resolved with my decision because I did the hard yards. I satisfied, I'm i satisfied that I did all that I could. And along the way, I emotionally processed things. So to talk to the kids thing a little bit more specifically, how did I make those decisions? How did I wrestle with the various factors that brought me to that calm place? Well, I should give some context. I became very unwell, and some of you might be uh, familiar with this story, with an autoimmune disease when I was 34. Um, And I'd also just exited a horrible, very narcissistic relationship, a toxic relationship. And I guess related to this and related to being sick, I was told I could never have kids. Um, And so the long story shortened rather dramatically. Over the course of about 10 years, I reversed this health news and a bunch of other health markers and much to my surprise I found out that in fact somewhat organically I found out that I was very very fertile Um, and so what followed were 10 let me correct that were five pregnancies Um, and uh, that were all sort of that came about in an organic old-fashioned way Uh, and and one of them I should say was uh, from buying this is quite the story buying Sperm on the internet from a Danish, twenty-one-year-old poet that I got sent to Greece, where I had it inseminated using a sort of a technical turkey-based scenario. This might be too much information for some of you, but I have written about this story in this one wild and precious life. The final wash up um, with this with uh, with a was it the fourth or the fifth pregnancy? I basically. Um, It was a very strong pregnancy uh, and I had to eventually make the agonising decision in the end to terminate this pregnancy. I was 46 and I realised it was just all too much for me mentally and physically and I had to get very pragmatic. I knew I I had work to do. I had to be of service in my own small way to the climate movement. I was writing that particular book, This One Wild and Precious Life, and I felt that I needed to really add up the pros and cons. And um, and so the decision I made was a difficult one, but I do believe it was the right one. So I rumbled with the philosophical, ethical, pragmatic decisions. And I actually write this out and share this process in This One Wild and Precious Life if you'd like to read about it. And I'll put some extracts actually from that part of the book in the Substack post where you, as I say, can watch this as a video and you can also engage with the community with extra questions off the back of this episode. And I join in, I'll join in later on this afternoon. So, um, and, and this piece really talks to the idea of becoming an adult with all of this stuff. Um, And it pertains to any kind of very difficult adult decision that you might be making in your life. So you might be interested in, in checking that out. So my childless position today was in part a concrete decision at a very defined point, which I don't regret. Because as I say, I covered every possible angle. I looked at it from through different lenses, I ran pros and cons. I talked about it with select loved ones, and I sat in the pain of it for weeks, actually for months. In the end, crying, crying into the darkness, many many nights in a row. So by the time I emerged with the decision, I could sit with it calmly because I'd moved both intellectually and emotionally through it. So I think I've I've made that point. But being kid free, kidless was also a result of having perhaps not acted sooner, not prioritising other things in my crucial years in my 30s, perhaps leaving it too late and, and not doing that hold my breath, pinch my nose and jumping into a into a not perfect relationship but one that's good enough for producing a kid kind of route, which is a route I know a lot of people take and it's not a bad one necessarily. In many ways it's quite in keeping with how it has been done for eons. Marriages and partnerships were often throughout history about a contract, an agreement to unite two sort of parties, two families, two lots of assets for offspring producing purposes. And 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 that was a, a valuable and valid way of doing things for a long time. So, I think a lot of people, both men and women, have this kind of regret that they kind of, I guess, missed uh, missed a boat, missed a boat, and and didn't pay attention, didn't prioritize correctly. So to speak to that piece, because, of course, that had a part to play in things before I arrived at that point where I was 46 and made a decision to terminate that final pregnancy. To a certain extent, um, I guess what I've just explained applies here too. So for two decades, I observed and analysed the pressure that I felt and that's placed, that was placed on myself to have a child and to this idea that I should be prioritising differently I guess I just didn't take it as an inevitable, you know, that it's what I should do. I questioned it, you know, and I've been like this most of my life. When I'm told I should do something in a particular way, I I see that as a as a trigger to question it and to think, well, why? And who's telling me to? And who, who you know, where are the vested interests? Um, and I've been like that all of my life. You know, I've, I've used this phrase before. Many of you would be familiar with it. I see a wet paint sign. Do not touch. All I want to do is touch it, or at least ask why I can't touch it. So uh, look, my there was anger, of course, and there was also resentment that was playing into all of this, around this feeling that I felt unmet by a society that on the one hand said that I should have it all, that I could have it all, um, and that you know women could and should do everything But then I landed in my 30s and found that I was very, very much in a culture, a society um, where men were not – meeting women of my generation in a similar way they didn't get the same memo that hey we're all going to enter the workforce we're all going to be just as talented and and we're all going to contribute different things and this is the new paradigm and so we're also going to have to share child rearing procreation responsibilities and hey we're probably going to need a little bit of help from the societal setup that creates this as the imperative so of course and this would be familiar to many women, but also men who've also had to to join this, right, to be part of this, it it, it really did mean doing it all. And having a family meant doing so where it was women who largely had to make the sacrifices so that this neoliberal setup could keep rolling along. And, of course, as many of you know, the neoliberal setup means less and less government intervention. And so... This is why we have so many problems with childcare um, and that kind of thing, which really needs to be part of any system that suggests that two parents need to be in the workforce and that women should be actively engaged in in a career. So I could go on. It's a big topic. I have spoken about it before, both here in this AMA kind of section, but also on my Substack. So you can go and catch up on that and I'll have the links to those in, in the Substack post that I've been mentioning yet to be written will be done by the time you listen to this. But the point is, I had to resolve this resentment. I had to resolve these conflicting pressures and roles and responsibilities because um, it wasn't going to be done, at least in my lifetime. So in the end, I did this via radical acceptance and trust. And I use that phrase that I use here a fair bit that um, my dear friend Tim Brown taught me, keep the camera rolling. That is to say, okay, if this is the decision that you've made based on where you're at and what's available to you and the compromises that you will have to make, then, all right, let's see what happens next because really quite often, and this is where the trust comes into it, things do happen for a reason. That sounds particularly woo-woo, but, you know... (laughs) the sum total of your life experiences land you where you are today. And it is actually sometimes really interesting to go and look at those those dots, right, that connect to form the picture. And to see that you were an agent in all of this. And there was something driving you to this position where you are today. And um, that is a really big part of what I mean by radical acceptance. So what do you do from there? Well, you go, okay, well, here I am. This is where I am. There's no one to blame. There's, I can't lash out. I, I I can't remain a victim because I want to live the rest of my life productively and victimhood holds me back. So what am I going to do about this situation? And so I basically figured I was going to make the most of being a woman in this particular time in history who does not have children. Um, So part of this that I found, well, there was a a a line of thinking that I found particularly helpful here. I realized that this imperative to have children and form nuclear nuclear families and continue that sort of that imperative of reproducing, producing tax-paying citizens, is not wholly functional any longer, nor is it appropriate. You know, and I realised that maybe my intuition, the thing, this something, this, this force that was perhaps guiding me not to have children and, and to make different kinds of decisions and to prioritise other things in my 30s and my early 40s, maybe it was under something. Maybe it was actually being informed by um, what I was seeing happening in the world. And yeah, I, I do think there was some intelligence going on there that I wasn't fully conscious of. Um, and so, yeah, if we, and what I'm really pointing to is this idea that having children at a time when the planet is struggling, um, is, is, is not, is not the same, hasn't got the same appeal and, and, uh, Benefits as it has in previous generations. Um, and there are a bunch of other redundancies, I think, inherent in this kind of nuclear family setup. Um, in part, this idea that women don't need that structure to have children, nor do women need to be having children to feel fulfilled and to have a very productive, spiritually, um, you know, sort of spiritual role in society. So yeah, I can see that there was something going on there. There was something that was informing me. And I invite anyone listening to this who might be in the same position as me, having come out the other side of of that crucial child um, producing stage, is to say, well, maybe, maybe there was some intelligence going on there. Maybe there was something about your life experiences, your intuition that was saying, this is not the right way to go. Um, And to then question why it is that you felt the pressure and to then question where are the vested interests in all this and um that's not about you know getting stuck in conspiracy theories or or blaming other people um it's about whether or not you want to buy into a a particular kind of story a, a story that can suit others and may not suit you so um I actually did do a previous AMA that's touched on a little bit of this pertaining to the imperative to get married because I I realise now as I'm speaking to you I've been asked this question in in reference to what my thoughts are on marriage and I'll put a link to that previous AMA. Um, That link on Substack also points to a whole range of really interesting articles that came about around about the time I was asked that question out of studies that pointed to how Oh gosh, you know, to solve a whole bunch of problems in society today, women need to to lower their standards, pot- potentially even shift their political thoughts, and just get married already. Um, and you can catch up on that, as I say, via the links that I'll provide in the show notes. So yeah, um, there's a lot there. Um, as I say. The short answer is I don't have regrets. I don't have regrets because I I, I did think all of this through very, very carefully. And the, metal, the, the meta um, message here, I suppose, is that when we do think things through with discernment, when we do sit in a problem, both intellectually but also emotionally, spiritually, psychologically, philosophically, we can arrive at a point where we can be at peace with the decisions that we that we make. Um, And I think particularly with these kinds of issues, which are, you know, that do touch on emotional, spiritual, uh, a whole range of different things, and are often informed by an intuition that we're not always conscious of. Um, So yes, Megan, I hope that answers your question. As I say, all of you are invited to post your questions, uh, post it uh, in the Substack post where you can watch the video version of this rant and uh yeah i will speak to you next week next friday Um, and of course on wednesdays i have the main wild interview you can also post suggestions for guests and themes and topics and arguments and angles that you would like me to cover more broadly here on wild as i like to say stay wild and i will see you next week